2: Host. Haha. I, you know, I
1: woke up this morning. You know what I said? What did you say? It's show day.
2: Okay.
1: And since it's show day, we're going to show up, show out, and And show show off for Jesus. For the Lord Jesus Christ. We so love our King and so adore our Savior. Well, well, Block Talk, my firstborn. My firstborn. Welcome to this week's edition of the Paula Price Show, where we are handling a ton of stuff. Well, I thank God for what we have going on today. We have been moving, Ashley. Did you know notice things have been just changing and, yeah. and moving? I think, though, as soon as we go live on social media, I'm going to pray. we're on one social YouTube. media, okay? Well, YouTube is live, and then we'll be live in a moment on the Facebook. Meanwhile, I got all my props, wait a minute, hold on, I got my cloth, I got my gavel, you know, you gotta have a gavel, mm-hmm. and I got my bell. Okay, everybody's ready to go, and so I thank God for who he is and what he's doing, what he's done for us. You know, we have had good times, so we are in for a nice ride. The Holy Ghost woke me up with these words, just call on the name of the Lord. Now, you know, that sounds really nice. Doesn't that sound nice? But consider who's advising us to do that. <laughs> you know, the advisor determines the severity or the somberness of the advice or counsel. Yeah. And so I said, I mean, we, I must have gone, actually, maybe, I guess, we must have done it for about 30 minutes, call on the name of the Lord, Just uh, just call on. And I don't quite know what all that means. Mm-hmm. But again, considering the source, mm-hmm. I'm thinking we're going to need to call on the name of the Lord. And I'm going to and be saved. And be saved and be kept, be healed, be delivered, set free, brought back, you know, and unleashed from backsliding. Because he just said, call on me, call on me. Well, are we getting close to the other people? Oh, okay. Well, we probably need to do that in the morning before we start. Okay, but I'm sure that I got a phone here that I'm talking to the Facebook people. The Lord was talking to me also about getting close to Him. And He gave me some interesting information about getting close to Him. And one of the things that I really appreciate about God is that when he tells you that he's doing something, he doesn't say it idly. And so he walked down this list. You know, Ash, I'm getting you involved because you know you're standing there and you're looking really great in the colors of so it's so solid. He tells you all are gonna love it when we let her take her seat. <laughs> she looks quite um, island D, I guess. Okay, I'm ready
2: for an island.
1: Yeah, I am too. Would they would they give me one? I want one. Could I have one? i tell you, but I'd appreciate a nice island visit right now. I would just have a blast. And I might even actually not do anything. Where? Where?
2: Down time. Just don't forget the
1: word M-I-G-A-T. That was in Mike. Mike. You're here first. Okay. I may not do a thing. I might. Just enjoy myself. I might. You know, I've been known to do that, not often. But God started talking to me about getting close to him and what it means. People want power with God, you know? And, but you cannot have power with God from a distance. God needs you to be up close and personal to receive his impartation, which is what makes the new birth so important. Why it's essential. You can have a great time with the Bible. You can have a wonderful time with the worship song. You can do well with the sermons and and even have a a rich moments with the fellowship of the saints. But to get close to God requires you, or to get his power, requires you to get close to him. And most people do not want to get close to God because they feel like he's going to get them. You know, we were talking last night after the show, and we were saying how um, at the mountain, Moses is so excited. He's brought the people out of Israel. They're in the wilderness that God meets him in Sinai.
2: Right.
1: He's, he's, God has taken over a whole mountain, just a whole mountain. He's landed on it, and he's established himself. He's stationed. He's made the, the mountain in the wilderness of Sinai a station for him and his embassy. He's brought a part of it because when you read Moses' words, In Deuteronomy, they talk about that he came with thousands of his saints, his saints, not the the millions or whatever that came out of Egypt. He came with a king. Because, you know, God's not trusting this to us. We often think that he's just leaving it all into our little human hands, our little mortal hands, our frail, flawed, faulty souls. And yeah, yeah, he's like, are you kidding me? For whatever reason. So Moses is in the wilderness, and he is having a blast. So Moses goes to talk to God, and every time God gets ready to talk, obviously he's activating his energy systems and his communication systems, et cetera. So he's saying there body the mountain. It's sitting fine, and uh, it's the whole mountain is electrified from the top to the bottom like an animal can't touch it and not be fried. So he, he's bringing great power to the planet for his people, a power that it has not really known since before Adam's fall. So God's talking now. He's got He's got his PA system going. People are like, what? What is that? is? He's got lightning going because he needs the electricity to light up the area so his people are not in darkness. You know, you know. One thing God does not appreciate is his people being in darkness. He's lighting up the the whole area. So that he's got warmth, because you know they you know it can't be cold out in the wilderness. And he's talking. And Moses is like, guys, this is great. Look at our God. He's cool. Look at him you. The mountain is talking. Everybody's having not the people. The people are like, uh-uh. We are not going close to him. We are staying far away because he may just kill us. We don't know if he changes his mind. Because he said, Moses said, Look at that. He said, You all have heard the voice of God. The real living God, and you didn't die, because, you know, the voice of God you. One of the reasons why he stays still smaller than you is because he doesn't need to upset your organs all the time. Because his voice has power, and that power are those sound waves. We didn't know that, then, but we try to put that together today. So God can't have his sound waves shaking you up. Talking about, um, the, you know, he was big, bigger than this still small voice. Now, when God gets loud, it, gets, it becomes a problem. You know, when God got loud in the wilderness with Jesus Christ, they called it thunder. Now, the astute said the Lord spoke, but the others were like, this is thunder. So Moses says, come on, and God wants to talk to them, and he's telling us, he really wants to commune with us. And they're like, okay, can this be over because I need to leave because he may break out at any point and kill us. So Moses is thinking, what are you talking about? What are you talking about? You just heard him and you didn't die. We're all standing here. Isn't that great? And he, they said, yeah, but he, you know, put it in, a, in a effect. He can change his mind and turn on. So, what we want you to do, Moses, is you go and you talk to God. And then you come back and bring us word about what he said. And whatever you tell us, we are going to do it. Moses is like, I don't get this. But God gets it. So God answers Moses, and because Moses is confused. But we just had this great moment. He spoke with us. You know, because people always talk about they want to talk with God or whatever. And that's because they want to talk with God like they do their mortal friend, and not the eternal father. So they're like, um, wait a minute. Hold on. Moses like, we just had this great moment. Why is it just acting like this? Why are you behaving this way? They're like, uh-uh. So we got away this time. But we may not get away the next time. So God said, you know, Moses, they have said well what they've said. Send them to their tents. But as for you, you stand by me. Because you can tolerate by virtue of your sanctification, by virtue of your holiness, by virtue of your abilities, your obedience, you can stand by me. And you can hear my words from my mouth, from my mouth, and not the mouth of my messenger." The people can only take my words from the mouth of an intermediary. You, you can get it up close and personal. Now, you kind of think, well, I don't know where, if that's so. But if you go to Numbers 12.6, he said, but I talk to prophets through visions and dreams. Not so. God himself let you know Moses was more than a prophet. We just nailed him as a prophet. But he said he wasn't. And so he said, but not so with my servant Moses. Him I talk to face to face in some translations. Many of the other translations are mouth to mouth. Like God just breathes out of his mouth, into Moses' mouth, and the the breathe, the, the what we would call the cloud or the smoke literally breaks down into characters and form words and reveals. reveal. Because that's how God speaks. When God opens his mouth, we you know, like our breath, well, our breath doesn't do that, but <laughs> But our breath will bring people back to life. We'll handle the drowning. So there is power in the breath. Now, that's our mortal doom breath. Wow. How much more the Holy Spirit? Because so the, the Holy Spirit is the carrier of everything God and everything that God has. You know, he carries it, everything that God has. And I want you all to recognize that the breath of God is powerful because how do we become alive? the breath of God. Well the breath is the spirit and the spirit is the breath. So your spirit literally emits itself through your breath. I know. Because if we're made in his image in likeness, then however that works, it works for him. See, so Jesus is ready to go back home. I'm gonna get my coffee in a moment, guys. You know about coffee how I need some more coffee. I had the best cup of coffee before I left and then I had to leave it. And you know how that oh, yeah. is. Yes, you know how that is. Some of you all, those seasoned coffee drinkers, oh, you're like, wait a minute. So, but what happened was, Jesus said to them, it said he breathed on them.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And when he breathed on them, he said something powerful. He said, Receive ye the Holy Ghost. He was a, because he's a Godhead. So he's, he's got the spirit of his Father. He's got the Godhead's corporeality, and he's got the Holy Ghost breath. And what God wants to do, I know, what God wants to do, he does by his spirit. You get born again. How? By the spirit of God, the breath of God. The Holy Spirit, he said, the spirit goes where it lists, where it will, and you don't know where it comes from or where it's going because it's like the wind. The Holy Spirit, that's how you know. They can talk all of this crazy they want. You may not, we may not have the physical Jesus in a single entity, but we do have the corporeal Jesus throughout his body and every body that he inhabits. But we got the Holy Spirit who is the one who envelopes everything God has in his creation, and the Holy Spirit functions in every capacity. And so we don't often talk about the Holy Spirit. And when we do, we talk about how he made us feel. We don't talk about what makes him who he is, what makes him real, what makes him. We don't talk about that at all. We talk about the Spirit came and I felt.
2: The Spirit came and
1: I. But see, the Holy Spirit is not your Plato. And he's not your imaginary friend. The Holy Spirit is God. And we have to think differently about the Holy Spirit. We have to begin to treat things differently about the Holy Ghost, because it's important for us to understand that he is not a toy. We treat him like he's our playmate. And he's often taught, isn't he? He's often taught. I mean, he's my little warm blanket. He's my little fuzzy teddy bear. You know, he's my playmate. Some of the serious saints might go to say, well, you know, he's my partner or collaborator. But in order for him to be that, you have to be greatly upgraded, greatly, greatly enhanced. Because God is the consummate of all that he distributed to us in the flesh. It's not distributed. And not only is he the consummate, he's streaming. God streams all the time. He's streaming life. He's streaming health. He's streaming wisdom. He's streaming judgment. He's streaming correction. He's streaming abundance, prosperity. He's streaming everything. Everything God is streaming all the time. His body is like the infinite human. All of this, our vascular system, our heart, all of that for us—that's the red blood and all of that's not God. And our body streams information about us nonstop, doesn't it? Our body streams supply. It streams information, it streams um, health, it, it, it purges. It's, our body is doing what God's body is doing, is that ours is running out of steam, and His is, what is supplying and replenishing. It's self generated So God's body never stops streaming about him. All that's in his creation, all the codes, all of the information, all of the chemistry, all of the composition, all of the energy and the power, all of that streams from the Almighty all the time. Right? He sits on his throne. I don't know that, it's, that he, you know, I, I would like to know, well, do you really have a throne, you know, and do you really need one? But he says he has a throne, we're going to take him at his word. He said on his throne. So God's throne encompasses all his environment and all of his creation because he lived our lives before he put, that life and his experience in human creatures or in creatures because some are not human. we got the animals and, creatures and all of that. So when you think about the Holy Spirit, to us, the Spirit is this invisible cloud puff wind, not to God. To God, the Holy Spirit is a couple of things that we don't think about, but, they, but he protects the Godhead. The Holy Spirit embraces, encompasses the Godhead, keeps all of them together as one. The Spirit is in God, and God is the Spirit. The Spirit is in Christ, and Christ is the Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the third member of the Godhead. And you're like, I don't know how that can be. You're the same way. Your spirit is so body. I don't know what your problem is. The Holy Spirit is God's embodiment of everything that God ever wanted to, or allowed to exit his body, to exit his own being. So the Holy Spirit is encompassing all of that. So, you know, we think, wow. You know, he just just came on Pentecost. No, 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 the Holy Spirit was always here. But he wasn't embodying people, his church. He was embodying creation. He embodies all creation. He was always here. And, I mean, understand, when you think Holy Spirit, you're thinking people. But God is talking about people. He's talking about angels. He's talking about everything that ever exited God's person, God's being there's a difference between his being and his person. I hope you all can follow me, okay? And I hope you're catching up with me. But the Holy Spirit is always, 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 always not only present, he's always mixed in. He's always integrated. He's always composition. The composition of the Godhead is, the whole, is held together by the Holy Spirit, Jesus holds all God made by his word. The Holy Spirit holds it all together by its substance, its consistency, its oneness. And so God wants you to think differently about the Holy Spirit. See, we're having all of these religious battles, and we're fighting with all of this theology and and stuff because we are operating on on the end product, and much of which is the cursed product. So we're fighting over what God has done with, been done with, church. The Bible says that God has in store a new heaven and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. See, we talk about, you know, the world may have a new heaven and a new earth, but it's not going to be any more righteous than the old one. They can be me the the way time with the new one. Because the whole purpose of making something new is because something adverse, something uh, destructive or degraded has happened to the old. Why do we say upgrade? Because what was as degraded, so now well, He has to upgrade you. Because what happened? Repairs were made, corrections were made. You see what I'm saying? So you cannot uh, imagine that God's going to have a new, that God has a new heaven and a new earth in which righteousness dwells, and you can't figure out what that is. He doesn't need a new heaven and new earth if this one was fine. He says this earth and this heaven are daily self-destruction. We know that. Listen to the scientists. I mean, come on. We all have the planet cross. The earth is dying. Okay. We're destroying the planet. Why do you think they're saying that? Now, they think they're doing it. And in some cases, God is using the blindness and humanity and all of that to facilitate his purpose. But God said the earth is dying. He said it. He said, and, pretty, and the heavens are, are dying as well. He said, pretty soon you're going to roll the, the sky up like a troll, like a carpet. And he said, and we're just going to toss it away. Well, we look at that because humans and our finite mind can't imagine anything being so phenomenal, anything being so majestic, so powerful that it can say your little planet, is getting coming up on a rack. We already have it replaced. We have the replacement in. You cannot be a leader of anything and not have a replacement if something goes on. Everybody's got a contingency plan. Everybody's got an alternative. Okay, so this doesn't work. This is a backup. So remember, this earth... Oh, i not to hit a
2: little
1: something. Uh, this earth, this near earth... Was without form and void. It existed in it's old, and it was old, and it was under water, and it was literally uh, vacuumized by darkness. was in a dark vacuum, and so this earth was never what God planned. He uh, He had the other earth ready. He, because I mean, He already been using this. This thing is like a lab for God. You know, <laughs> kind of like a lab, prison, etc. But this earth is going to pass away. And the new earth that God is talking about is one in which righteousness dwells. Now, you know, the the Bible is just, I I mean, come on, famous. I'm going to say famous. The Bible is famous for understatement. I mean, because God never stops talking, and it takes a lot to get a couple of his thoughts back. And so think about it. You know, people have said that, you know, Heaven and earth are here. I mean, heaven and hell are here. But if God is not going to use this plan for anything else, you can rest assured it's going to be a house for prisoners. I'm just saying. Because he has a new earth. We're not going to have twin earths. He doesn't need twins. He needs one that's doing everything he needs. And the Bible says when that new earth arrives in in existence from wherever it's stored, because it's stored somewhere, not sure if people are living on it or not, but anyway, it's stored. New heavens and new earth. So, a whole new model of this. So, you know, I know this was always meant to be the tent model. This was the tent, and it was the prototype for the archetype that's coming. So, he says, um, and then God's temple will be with men. He will dwell with us in the new earth where righteousness dwells. I want to keep thinking that because, you know, right, every word in the Bible the, uh, the enemy uses and he culturalizes for his people so that people will not see or will lose their sense of awe and reverence for anything God. That's the strategy. You know, so we said, we, you know, we have the righteous song, and now that's a righteous tale and all of that. Y'all can't be righteous. It's kind of like saying that, you know, just because we can, we can use snake venom to heal, the snake's venom is inherently safe and sound, and everybody should just feast on it. It's still a killer. This earth still kills. And so God has told us righteousness. We talk, I did a study on that once, in which righteousness dwells. Because we never talk about we have something about well, just coming to a new heaven, a new earth. That's all we say. We don't include the end of it in which righteousness dwells means no flaw, no ecological issues, no death, no mortality. It's going to be better than, than the garden. It's going to be better than evil. Hallelujah. It's going to be better than anything God has. And you know why? Because it didn't start out flawed. If he renovated this earth, he said replenish it, which means it was renovated. He regenerated the planet by putting light in. Let there be light regenerated. Come on. Because remember, it was dark, <clears throat> it was underwater, it was a vacuum, and it was producing nothing but death. So when he comes, he regenerates the earth. Hallelujah. he knew, but I can't go hot water in this, so I'm going to sit. He regenerates it. How does he do it? He takes the death out by putting life, because where there's life, there's life. And you cannot have life without light, even if it's the minutest light, reflective, reflective, whatever you want to call it. So he comes to this planet and he says, let there be light. And all we think about is the illumination. So we think about the atmospheric light. We think about the environmental light. But there was also that light that, that brought climate back to the planet, so new climate, because everything was supposed to stay dead. So it didn't need climate. It also not only brought climate back, but it brought back environment, and it brought back ecology. Because remember, there was nothing there. So when God said, let there be light, think about it. Oh, my. I got to hit something. I love my toys. They help me. So thank you, all right, guys, coffee time. I got my breakfast coffee. Got a little heat on it. You know, it's, it's a shame. I got this wonderful cup of healthy water here.
2: <laughs>
1: and I got this cup of not as healthy coffee. That's what I missed. <clears throat> now, think about it, because I'm going to stay here. One of the things that God has given me is a masterful comprehension of how Genesis generates everything else you need to know about God, his world creation. So we have this planet that's dark without any light. It is underwater, and it's not H2O water. It's standing water, so it's future. So because when God took the water, when he started dealing with the waters, he had to make that water the H2O so that it would obviously keep us alive and nourish the planet. So up until that time, this water, but it's not H2O, it's not hydrogen and oxygen. Because if there was hyd- hydrogen and oxygen, it would have been air and fire. And fire needs air. And air needs fire to warm up. See, these are the points that you know we sat around and, and we talked about the, the creation all the time, but but the majesty of God gets lost and scientific issues and perceptions as well as mindsets. Because if you had to think about it, if you took a, a, a let's just say you took a, a clay ball, okay, just clay, and you put it in water, and, and, and you started it with dirty water, and then you sealed it and kept it in a dark cabinet, you certainly would not get a plan. So, what God did was more than, day one did more than just turn the light on. He didn't just flick the switch. He sent light into the world by his voice. Sound, he attached everything that he could tell from himself to sound. And every sound, he literally digitizes into words. So when he said, let there be light, you know, he should say, well, light, come here. Light, show up. Uh-uh. Let there be light. He pulled down the darkness that was occupying it. He dispersed it, dispelled it, but he dispersed it so that it no longer was a single force. Are you all flowing with me? Are they following me? So tell everybody, you need to understand we, we're breaking the seal on let there be light. So when God spoke light, he did not, his words are never empty. He said no word of God is the word of power without powerful. Every word of God is powerful. If God said, I truth, you better know we need to all take cover and we need to all get ready to burrow on the ground. Every sound God makes has a purpose, and it does something, because there's nothing dead in his body. There's nothing barren in his body. There is nothing, um, what is the other word? There's nothing feeble in his body. There's nothing impotent in his body. Uh, the smallest dot. When he, when, if Jesus can tell you that if you have faith as a grain of a mustard seed, grain. Now he didn't even say a piece of He said grain, like granular. If you have faith as a, as a granule, we understand granule, you know, our sugar granules, that's all the faith you need to move a mountain, and this man is impacted with morning granules, nothing that he does is impotent. And this is important to the saints because you are hearing a whole lot of humanized rhetoric and humanized understanding that, that, that downgrade the majesty of God and his potency. He's omnipotent for a reason, because he, took, he found out no matter what he did, something came from him. If he swung his hand, something came from it. If he lifted his finger, something came from it. If he shouted, something came from it. This man worked himself out long before he started creating things. We think all of this is, is that God was experimenting with all of this. No, he, he, he had a firstborn. He experimented with a firstborn. Jesus literally is God's specimen, God's test. He's everything, all of that. Because the Godhead had to perfect itself before it could start replicating itself. Because you don't, you don't particularly make a pattern out of something that's not tried and proven. Usually when you develop a pattern, process, procedures, it's tried and proven. This is the academic side of me today, y'all be blah, blah, So... He, the Godhead, God the Father said, okay, here I am. Remember, we teach this. It's in Scripture. God brought forth one seed, but he put the seed of everything else in that single reproduction or progeny that he brought forth, called the first begotten. See, Jesus has so many names, it's not funny. So, but he's the first begotten. We can start with that. You're the first begotten son of God. First. Before God made anything else, that's what makes Jesus eternal. Because before he made anything else, he reproduced himself in one seed. Paul talked about it in Galatians, not seeds as of many. Jesus is a seed that now produces many seeds. And that divine prototype is right. It works. So he comes forth as the one thing that God has constantly reproduced or procreated from his being, the very first, before God did anything else, anything else, he made a replica of himself, not a mock-up, not a mock-off, not a clone, a 100% verbatim replica of himself. If he made a mock-up, then Jesus would be lacking. But the Bible said that in him, all fullness dwells. That means God literally just extended himself. Like when we reproduce, we have to, you know, it goes to a prophet. God didn't. He just extended himself in another form. Same God. Another form. Yeah, You want to talk now, don't you? You want to talk now. <laughs> You're like I don't want to. <laughs> well,
2: good, I want you to get it all out.
1: So he extends himself. That is why Jesus is God and why Jesus can say, I and my father are one. Because God, we come through a particular channel called reproductive system. That is not what God used to bring Jesus into existence. God used an extension of himself that he formed for physicality because God has no form in the sense of being confined to the, you know, the laws of space and time and all of that. Jesus, he formed Jesus to be the part of him that, that's why he says the image of the invisible God, that physicalizes the Almighty first for the spirit realm because he made spirit things first. And then secondly, his incarnation was for him to physicalize himself for the earth realm. So Jesus is firstborn of creation. It said it firstborn, and God used born because God literally pushed out of Himself another version of Himself, and He didn't He didn't push it out like separated. He literally extended it. You have to know the difference. See, because you can push out a baby, and from that point onward, they're independent of you. They are different entity. That's not Jesus. Jesus is not that. Jesus is a literal extension of who God is, which is why he talked about when he was on the earth, being in the bosom of the Father. So he is not a separate entity. There is no division between Jesus Christ and God the Father, because they are one and the same. They're the same God, literally morphing himself into something else. An exact, he's not a copy you see, people treat Jesus as if he's a copy. But if I took, right now, if I took a bunch of dough and I rolled it out very flat on a table, let's say I rolled it out very, very flat, and in the table, let's say the table's six feet, and all, if all I did with that dough is slide pans under it with different shapes. If I never cut that dough and I was able to bake it, They would all be the very same batter of dough, still connected, even though they were in pans. The pans formed their bottoms, but they would stay the same. That's the best example of Jesus Christ and God the Father, because God extended himself in another form. And when he did, this is why Jesus is... um, uh, it's it, so, so equal to God Because when he did He did not have See if Jesus had been separate from the Father Then God would have to impart into Jesus And install into Jesus Everything that made he Him the Father God But he didn't By extending himself They share everything You know everything Even more than Siamese They share everything People said, well, I don't understand how to die here. We got Chinese twins to today. They share everything. And yet each one has their own different thought line, etc. No matter beyond the fact that every organ, everything is extended one to the other. That's why there's a, there's a, a visual model and type of everything that God is in the earth. And I mean everything. So, no, obviously that's a deformity. I mean that's not his best form, but you know, I like to I, I, I read about these ones that they, they grew up, went to college together. I love reading those stories. And these girls are doing fine. But they they don't have four arms, they have two. They don't have four legs, they have but yet they have two separate brains. And of course well some and some of them don't. So when you think about God, God, the reason Jesus is God is because God did not break off a part of himself and use it to make Jesus. That's what he did with Adam. He didn't. He extended himself and said, I want to look like this. So God is spirit and Jesus is combination, spirit and substance. Now, and, and this is, you know, I told you, great is the mystery of Godliness. This is a great mystery, a great mystery. So now they look around, and they've got this extension of each other. Now, their extension is so finite that they can think independent of each other, but they realize that when they think as one, power comes. So they think as one because agreement kept them from being divided. So as long as they think the same thoughts the same way for the same reasons under the same circumstances, anybody hearing they agree. And that agreement is what keeps them mighty and impenetrable and impervious. It's agreement. So when God, you know, sent the church to the planet, he kept talking about agreement. Agreement. Thinking the Godhead does not have a different thought from the other. They don't have a. Well, you know, Doctor Price says that, but I don't know. That's that's discord. And think about it. It's discord. Cord, sound. So thoughts have sound, and they don't have discorded sounds in their thoughts. The cord of unity, harmony, agreement is never broken. It's never pressed. It's never stressed. Jesus did not on that cross. He still felt like the Godhead. So when he says I and my father are one, he's not just saying we're we're two people deciding to, you know, unite and stay one and, and stay connected. That's not what he's saying. He's saying I am not a severed replica of my father. You all are. But I'm not. We are exactly the same. And so when Jesus, and that's the mystery. Oh, come on, so, I got to kind of find up. I got something. I know I have something. So here's what happened Jesus is on the cross. He incarnates, but he, he incarnates, I'll show you how potent God is. He incarnates by just a seed being extended. A seed extended the whole Godhead. A seed, a sperm, Here's rot. And that, but it never severed them. Jesus said, I'm sanctified, but not separated. So the Father sanctified me, which means lifted me out of my sovereign place. Lifted me out, not even lifted, but extended from my sovereign place. Extended from my my genetic place. Extended so that I can come and bring back his children. Because the lost is in the seed. The lost was in the sea. See, so when you think about it, because what was it? The first, Satan's firstborn is Cain, who is what the Bible says, who is of the wicked one. He's the child of the devil. Firstborn. His firstborn is always going to tell you what the God is, the God is being served. So he says, well, he, he who is of the wicked one. And so, and you can tell, uh, John had a problem calling his name. He just called him the wicked one. He I, I, addressed him yet, but that John, John was like because he was so close to Jesus and so intimate with God's issues and so intimate with what his friend was was uh, suffering, experiencing, and enduring for the sake of his creation. He just couldn't even call his name. Just person. So he called him so infrequently, just infrequently. But anyway, so Jesus. Says, I am in the bosom of the Father. Now, you all heard that, and you know what He's saying. This body doesn't define me. This flesh doesn't define me. It's going to the dust. But the spirit and soul of the second person of the Godhead is what I put in this body. Hallelujah. To bring you back to God. Great is the mystery of Godliness. And he told me not godliness, godness. He told me 20 years ago, Paul, "I'm going to teach you about godness and how we do what we do, and how we are." So remember, even though you, even though Jesus, um, God took away Jesus' uh, physiological structure or heavenly composition and recomposed him through the womb into death, into humanity. Jesus and God never separate. They never separated. That's why he kept saying, but me and my father are one. You're like, one? You have me up there? You have, how are you going to be one? Because you can't say that about your parents and you because you're separate entity. because a, a particular metered out complex of seeds and spurns of shells created you in them using their material but not making you them and not making them you. Not the Godhead. I know y'all probably confused, so go, go, go share with somebody. Help somebody else get confused with you. Amen.
2: Oh, oh yeah.
1: sounds like my face. That's, is that my Facebook folks? YouTube. YouTube. YouTube people. So I want the Facebook, we're a little late. Please forgive us, but you can go to YouTube and get the whole thing. But so when you think about the Godhead and you think about God, you have to rest assured that God never cut off what he Like, we're, we can all say we're God's children because we use the bloodline that he left into the earth. So everybody's God's children. You can say that we're all, you know, made of God. We are all made of God. But there's a difference between being man-made, hand-made, God-made, and extended. And the church was meant to be that multiplied extension of the Godhead. That, that would blanket the world and cohere it under the Almighty, Matthew 28, 18, and cohere it under the Almighty. In other words, we were meant to be that, that multiplex composition of the Lord Jesus Christ reproductive self. And so he reproduced us the same way the Father did. He reproduced us by words. But then... Firm is about words. It's about cells. It's about code. It's about DNA. It's about RNA and all of those other things. Firm is about codes. And so, but God takes those codes and he drops them into the planet and uses those very codes to, now listen to this, to actionize the, the earth or the dirt soil so that when he touches it, it becomes what he said. He made himself out of So God comes to the planet, and he said that he got the earth is is alive. Let there be light. So he already has his DNA running through the planet because he is the maker. So he let there be light. He brought light. He brought energy. And that light and energy is how he was going to protect the vegetation that would nourish us and also form our ecology. And then he turns around. Now that he has this brand-new earth, this new dust, I mean, it's full of richness. It's full, and it's 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 very much like his own, very much like his own world. And so he can handle it, and he's touching it, and he's molding it, and he's crafting the the bodies of all of the animals. This man worked. We think he just didn't. Okay, let that. No, no, he had to all the cattle. He had to craft it and then put life in it. Craft it and put life in it. Because what you see him showing up. And um, I think it's the fourth day when he says, "You know, let the earth bring forth." Yeah, he still had to put them in bodies because they were invisible. They were energy. They were light. They were invisible, and they had no—they they had no way of, of touching and benefiting from this world, from this this particular uh, 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 what do you call it mix—the earth. The, the, they have, they needed because they weren't there yet. So they were in him, and then when he said, let the earth bring forth, the earth started popping up. Templates, if you will, schemes of all these creatures. And and so they're there, but does anybody know? And then he starts creating bodies for them. He's replicating his world in this one. He's not just duplicating because we think duplicate but he isn't he's replicating because the duplicate is just one time after that it becomes copies. that's why we see every generation it gets weaker and weak replicate is something else it's, it's literally unfolding replicate unfolding the next thing unfolding so everything is unfolding itself as the first so he's he's so he's making these bodies and finally he went through Crafting these clay bodies, using the dust of the earth, we finally get through. The earth is perfect. It's pristine. There's never shed any blood. There's never been any death. There, this earth has nothing to do but live and thrive and, and flourish and reproduce itself. Sustain the planet and those that are inhabiting. That's the earth. Water's perfect. Don't we'll have to worry about toxins. Don't we'll have to worry about who peed in it and all of that, and even if they did, it wasn't going to kill it because the earth was replenished and it was revived so that it could literally destroy what would attack it. And since nothing existed to attack it, it didn't have to worry about it. That hadn't been tested. So then we go, and he finally gets to Adam. Now, where is Adam? Nobody ever thinks, well, we're all where's the male and the female that he made on the sixth day. Well, he Making all of these bodies from the eighth day onward, because God works while it's light, nighttime. He said, "Um, we we all rest." And considering what he did, I'm thinking he probably needed a good didn't come maps because he was like, "Oh, so you definitely have you ever asked? About, so where were the male and the female while he was doing all of this?' Because after he did all of that, you know, he 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 got the earth going the way he wants." He needs somebody to help him, and there's Adam. Clearly, Adam did not see how God was creating things because the Bible says God brought it to him. So wherever Adam was hiding out while God was doing all of his creation, you know, he probably, whatever, and he's testing him. Okay, I made this. This is really great. I made this other thing, and I made this other thing. And everything Adam called it was its name, which means it defined its function, and it defined its existence. But Adam does not have anything else. Now, I'm going to tell you something that you probably never thought. The earth that we have today is not the earth Adam had. The ground that we are dealing with today is not the ground that God gave Adam. Remember, it's perfect. It's a different earth. The earth that Adam had, that's what he sold. He sold out. It's not the same earth. Because you want to know, well, why is it that we have this? And why is this? And why? Because that earth is gone when Adam sold it out. And God said to Satan, you think you're going to get this pristine environment? No, you're going to grunt like the rest of us. Now, you, your, you, you replenish yours with your stuff. Because I'm not leaving you this. Here's a curious point. The Bible said God made two great lights. First he said, let there be light. Then he said, let the light be separated from the darkness, which means that which lives and gives and provides needs to have its own time and its own demarcation. That which kills, still, and destroys needs to come. And we need darkness for to sleep. And so he needed that obviously then to sleep. But here's what's important. The reason God made those planets and luminaries is because he knew He was going to have to leave the planet. He couldn't continue to be his light. Many people, we don't put together that God did not need a sun and a moon and a star. He said, let there be light. He might have needed the moon, maybe. But he didn't need the sun because he was already the light of the world. The world was already in light. That was the whole issue. Let there be light means that the planet was lit. But it was lit not by luminaries. It was lit by the presence of the Almighty. His presence was here to see to His work, to sustain His work, to keep it going, to correct it when there, if, if and when there was a problem. Now, how did He do that? By the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the Spirit of Light, so we didn't need luminaries. I need you to hear me. God didn't need the planets, the stars, and all of that, except maybe to entertain Adam, let him look up and see how wonderful things are. But he did not need the sun. Because the sun shining and him shining, come on, one is a wash. Are you all following me? So he didn't need that, but he was in anticipation. The sun and the moon and the stars were all providential. For the day man ceases to desire my light and the terms and conditions of my light, we're going to go on, we're going to have 12 hours of day and 12 hours of night. Or some variation. For the darkness, because he said he made the light to rule the day. And he made the moon to rule the night not just illuminate, not just reflect, because the moon reflects the sun, not just reflect. He said, I made the sun to rule the day. But wait a minute. Then we, hold on. He says, why do you need a a luminary to rule the day if there was already light? Because God knows that ultimately people will tire of his terms and conditions and begin to probe and explore alternatives to him. It takes a lot for you to prove yourself to God because he's been there. He's done it. He's lived it again and again and again until the agains are over. So here we come now to the third person of the Godhead, which is the Holy Spirit. We started out on that conversation. And the Holy Spirit is God's total embodiment, not only of the Godhead, but of his creation. And people have said, well, the Holy Spirit is like this and like that. No, the Holy Spirit may <laughs> exhibit himself and various manifestations of God very differently, but the Holy Spirit is the Godhead skin. It's their covenant. The Holy Spirit is literally a divine sheet on creation. And so, just like skin has what seven layers, as they say, the deeper you get into the Holy Spirit, the closer you get to God and Christ. You stay on the outside; you you, you you out there in the lotion range, lotion massage, and monument range, okay? Because you're out on the external side. That's why when you think about that, everything about God, and they try to change it, but they, the early church got that; they got those those, those little nuances. So the Holy Spirit is God's skin. You wanna know what the Holy Spirit does for the Lord and for creation, just study skin. Just study skin. And see, cause many people say, "Well, the Holy Ghost is God's skin as if he, I mean, and they consider him being the top layer. No, the deeper you get into your skin, the closer you get to your vital organs, you get to your vitality. And it makes you either, that penetration can make you stronger or it can make you vulnerable. So the way you treat the Holy Spirit is pretty much how you should take care of your skin. You need to wash it. Wash it with the regeneration of the Word. You need to wash it. Wash your thoughts. Wash yourself. You need to nourish it. You, know, you have to keep the oil on it, which is why the Holy Spirit is like oil, so that your skin doesn't crack and all of those kinds of things. You need to feed it. You need to clothe it. This whole nudity thing that has everything to do with your skin being penetrated, by what Satan wants to kill you. I, was, I remember somebody saying, "Well, I, 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 and you know how you watch those, those television shows with the nudist thing? Well, that's how people were born. Well, what mall was the baby going to get into on the way out to get an outfit? See, some things are stupid, and you have to say it because it is. Well, we we were all you know we're all we were all born naked because you don't have a mall in the womb." You don't have a clothing store in the womb. You don't have a bassinet in the womb. You don't have any of those things. So you, uh, Your clothing is water. Your, your whatever it is, your fluid. But you don't have that in the womb. That's why kids don't come out dressed. But usually, as soon as they come out, the first thing people do is clothe them because they're coming out of that perfect 98.5. And they want to protect them because their skin is very vulnerable. And anything can penetrate it. It's not impervious. The Holy Spirit is impervious with God. That's why the Holy Spirit will slap you, and you don't know whether it's God or not. Because the Holy Spirit is going to protect protect Jesus and protect God the Father. And then I led them, and they said, well, the reason, I mean, come on, all of these native people don't have clothes. Are you kidding? That's a mockery. And I can tell you, God said he hates that statement more than any other because it's the most arrogant statement humans can make, mortals can make. These people don't have morals. When we took clothes on them, put out there they put them on. They didn't have a way. They were not gifted to protect themselves. So how do you take care of yourself? That's what you do. How do you take care of the, the, every oven? You eat properly so that you're, 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 you are, um, you're nourished from the inside. And so your inner, the inside, the Father, the Son, on, theoretically, on the inside can keep you nourished on the outside, keep you shielded. Make sure that if there is an outbreak, you get a little bite about something by taking care of yourself, by eating properly, you change that. But the Holy Ghost is God's skin, which is why it's a person. See, he's a person. We treat him like he isn't a person because he's invisible. When well, he's invisible to us. Remember, everything God is invisible to us. To everybody who is not mortal and, and, and condemned to blindness, spiritual and mental blindness, there's no difference. There is just dimensions. Okay, so now just this one, some corporeal makeup or that one or whatever. We'll get into that another time. When we do our intervention, we're going to talk about this more. Remember, Saturday... Is my inter- spiritual intervention webinar. I just want to whet your appetite to let you know that it's not going to be a preacher time. We will not have a preach You're going to learn. I gave you a lot of information that probably shook you up a little bit about God. But see, understand the Holy Spirit is, let me tell you how we got that. The Holy Spirit is the God the Father and God the Son, because they're extended and they're one projecting themselves, extending themselves one more time so that both sides of them, the incorporeal and the corporeal sides of them, can now be merged into a third. It's because the Godhead never severed. They will never sever. The, the, as much as God's going to do to sever the Godhead, he did in sending Jesus Christ into the planet to be born of a woman. They are one. Whatever the pastor uh, care less about the external things, that they are one. They share the same everything. And they share it at the same time. Does that help you? Are you ready, Prophet?
2: Hey,
1: I could. My other prophet will be round right in the corner in a minute. Huh? Yeah, but we even come in for a minute. i got to call her in. Come on in, honey. All
2: right.
1: You know, the Lord wants it. He wants us to know him. And we have it in our mind that God wants to be secret. God is secret and mysterious because our brains, our minds can't perceive it, not because he built himself to be that way. He's secret and he's hidden because he knows that it's a waste of his time and energy to dump all of the truths on us because, well, look at what we've done with the little bit of truth we have. We're fighting, we're we're. we're, Literally, we're segregating, we're discriminating, we are being, you know, prejudicial. He said, that's just a little bit. But he said, but Jesus said, but he said, I come and tell you about us, the Nicodemus. He said, if I, and if you can't believe what I tell you about what's going on between us and earth, you can't do a thing with what we want to tell you about us in heaven. This my <laughs> and heaven. is And how did you? get He had to go. Uh-huh. And if you have a question, just write it. We'll come to it. Well, this is
2: true apostolic teaching. Yeah. The Apocalypse. Yes. Breaking open mysteries, enigmas, Mm revelations, and really making us think about and giving us God's mindset. Mm -hmm. Where was God's mind? We will say, what was God thinking? Not really expecting an answer. No,
1: because we know that whatever he tells us about what he's thinking is going to blow our mind, and we won't be able to say for a while.
2: Not him. That's not God. Yeah. That's not you. <clears throat> uh, and even as we were talking about Saturday in the webinar, hearing you teach mm-hmm. This is straight-up academic, scientific. We taking notes. I want to write some formulas on the spot, You know, <laughs> come up with some things to learn. And so on Saturday, when you're you're going to be teaching on spiritual intervention, that's not... Did <laughs> you find <laughs> a yeah. game around the corner? What did you just lean on the wall for a little bit? <laughs> <laughs> she had to kill, collect herself. Yeah. She had to collect yourself. I did. And today, I'm we're teaching today. Yeah, I'm what academic. You went eternal-demic. Yeah. I mean, this is like... I know. <laughs> what? Yes. And I just wanted to say, excuse me, Doctor, I have a question. She did. I said, you want to ask something? No. She said, but I don't want to stop but this. I love you to finish. Yeah.
1: How how are people handling it? How are they doing with
0: their comments? Oh, they
1: loved it. So you mean we have cerebral Christians in the Bible? Right?
2: Yes. Yes. And they're certainly the ones following
0: you.
1: <laughs> yeah, well.
2: Because <laughs> you cannot leave your brain at home. No, not because I'm going to
1: send you out to the car. Go get your brain and come back.
2: Go
1: get your brain and come home. <laughs> okay, go pick up your brain. I know you put it in that trunk. Go get it. that's uh, the spiritual, you know, hat boxes. You has got the brain in it. So I'll be back.
2: Yeah.
1: So where do you want
2: to... Let me get you all your little circles and dots. you has mm-hmm. got tons of blue. But no, you, you, I'm I'm thinking... Uh, But I have to participate right now. Mm -hmm. Okay, so when you talked about God's voice having power, his voice has sound waves and it's encoded. Mm -hmm. I mean, we really do think our technology is
1: new.
2: And we think it's superior to God. We think we're superior to God because we have toys and gadgets and gizmos that we can just push, and we call them smart. Mm -hmm. Smart Smartphones, smart cars, smart houses now. So we think that because we call them smart that somehow we Mm -hmm. are smarter, and anything God is dated and antiquated, I mean, he is the ancient of days after all, Mm -hmm. and um, from our grandfather's closet. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And not that (laughs) his eternal world is so far beyond Hollywood's wildest imagination. The things that they have put on screen still can't touch who God really is, and the power that he has. Mm. I mean, when you were talking about Kind of power you have to have to generate a planet, mm-hmm. and then regenerate. I know what it took again. to buy the battery for my truck. <laughs> <laughs> That's no, no, going no. to die in two years. Yeah, because they tell you there's about a two life. Do your life. life on this mm-hmm. one. You can get this one and this one and this one for more, but this is what this is. And have no, we can't even fathom the power of God. No, I mean mm-hmm. truly, we talk about it. We talk about his powers in the room, and his glories come down, and his majesty is everywhere. But when you say, no, no, he has to whisper.
1: Jane yeah. insides will blow out. Yeah.
2: yeah. yeah. So you're talking about lightning
1: and yes. thunder. Yeah. You know we, we have, we have, cause, you know, we are good to hear some thunder real close,
2: up close and personal here. But there are certain types of thunder that rock your brain. Yes. You're like, whoa. Shake your house. Mm-hmm. Shake your body. You just stop. Everybody's like, "Wait a minute, let me look outside and see what's happening." Mm-hmm. That was a little close. That was a little close. In Oklahoma, you look to see out the window what's happening, but the true power of God um, is really something to sit down and think about mm-hmm. because again, we're always taught to feel about how do I feel? Just, just let the Lord just move on you and let Him do all these things, and you know, all it's just wonderful and worship, and and not even considering. Mm-mm. Not this. Which makes you go back and think, was the name that showed you know? up? Because you don't know it's God.
1: Yeah. Anything can move on you because yeah. God doesn't even have to get involved. You two are happy to take whatever is moving in the room. He doesn't have to identify himself because he knows you yeah. just want to feel it. Mm-hmm. So he doesn't even start with you because he knows your perspective, your measurement, your criteria for defining God is nondescript. Right. And nondescript means that they're that you don't want a guard. you just want to feel. You don't care what it is. And if you if it feels funny, you just tell yourself it's God. Because intelligent people want to evaluate. Let's confirm. You, you know, when you're in experimental experimental mode, yes. it's all about uh what is it? Uh experience, experiencing is all about feeling, but there's no evaluation, no standards, mm-hmm. no norms, no nothing. Your norm is how you feel and it changes every day.
2: Well, I remember you were there. First person <laughs> ever met, we would be in services and God's moving and you're doing your thing, and somebody breaks out and does something, you're like, that's not God. Yeah. And I remember thinking, You can say that? <laughs> <laughs> and wait, that's not God? Like, no. there are things that people do that have been established as a move of God Mm-mm. that are, in fact, not him at all. Not, not God. And to me, I just remember. For years thinking, am I really saved, which we always joke about, but what is happening in the church, mm-hmm. and how far removed is the Lord really from what's going on, what we say is him, versus what he says him. is him?
1: Well, mm-hmm. so think about Exodus 22, 23, I believe, and 32. I hope I'm getting them correct, because that's from Transmission,
2: but
1: we Israel kept doing all of these kind of things Mm -hmm. in the wilderness. So finally God said, uh, you know what? I'm not I'm gonna leave. Because if I stay with you guys, I'm gonna kill you. And all the nations (laughs) and automations are gonna think I couldn't pull it off. See a lot of things God tolerates because he gave you a prophecy. And that prophecy was public and he has to watch over his word to so that it won't fall to the ground unfulfilled. So God will give you a public prophecy, and then you turn around and do something crazy, he's got to do one of two things. He's got to tolerate and indulge your, your contra, contrariness to what he wants to do, or he's got to stop you from existing or hide you so low people forgot he spoke. Mm. So Israel was cutting up, and he said, but I, 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 and, and the way he writes it, it's not anger. You know, when you really get into the sentiment of the Holy Ghost, remember the Holy Ghost is God's skin. So you start getting the sensation of what he felt. And so you get into the sentiment of the Holy Spirit, and he says, I'm not going to be able to lead these people into the promised land. I won't be able to do it directly. Because they, from the time I brought them out, they just keep violating me. And so you think they're Mm. they're hurting your feelings because they don't like your book. But that's not it. He's a being. He's a person. And he, every time he turns around, there's another piece of trash, another piece of sin, another deity worship, another thing done, somebody being molested, somebody being beaten, and all of that. And he said, I can't be up close and personal with this because my holiness will make me judge it. And when I judge it, I must condemn it. And when I condemn it, then I must punish it. So I'm going to let my angel. Right. I'm going to send my angel with you. Now, listen, don't think just because he's an angel that he carries any less power or he will or, or suffer any less vexation than I do. But he will bring you into the promised land, and my immediate reflexive, we talked about God's holiness being reflected. It is his preservation. It is like if a bug crawls on your skin. Boom. Is that right? Yes, you slap it. You, don't even, you don't even think. You don't even know the bug. Oh, that was a bug. Oh, I couldn't. <laughs> <laughs> All you knew is you slapped it again because you were so irritated. Oh, so, you know, buzzing around your head. When you, when you spill, spill stuff through. on yourself, you spill stuff on yourself, the first thing you're going to do is get it off. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's holiness. in action. Holiness.
2: Mm-hmm. Wash like, like
1: a bird because and, and God, your skin, your nerves and, and, um, and your senses in your skin are telling you something's trying to invade you. It may be dangerous. So the first thing you want to do is get rid of it. And then you look it out and you lay it out and say, oh, that wasn't so bad. Yeah. And you say, well, okay, when that happens, I won't react. But you conform to God's holiness. You all keep thinking that you're being holy to a code. No, the code is an explanation of a feeling. A sensation. God's senses are offended by sin. Jesus. You offend oh. his skin senses and the Holy Ghost is his skin. Y'all throwing with me out there. man. So you have got to realize that it's not about, well, he just doesn't want me to be myself. He just doesn't want that self, that self side of you near him. So he puts Kinds of barriers. There are things you put clothes on to prevent your prevent your skin from being exposed. Right. That's why you wear clothes to cover your skin from all of that ailments and alien stuff and foreign matter and whatnot that would try to get to you. So you put that out. You put on layers. If it's cold and you're in a particular climate, you put on a lot of clothes. If you got sense. hmm But the Holy Spirit will always come after what is trying to invade God, invade his holiness with contaminants. So if God knows that in the end he's going to be in a conflict with you just to keep himself clean and comfortable, I'm talking about environmentally, you know, and ambiently as well as climatically, if he knows that, then he said, well, I tell you what, I'm going to distance myself from you. And I'm going to distance myself from you, not because you can hurt me, but because I don't want to hurt you because I have a greater plan for you in this house. So it's better that I work with you from, from afar or as the Israelites found out, or as the Jews found out, from behind the veil. Because he said the veil is his sin. And then he said the veil of Jesus Christ. Is his body. So I'm oh. right on this. I know I'm right because I've I, I studied this and I'm 100% right on this. So the veil is his body that we come to God and Hebrews talk about it, a new and living way. Mm. Isn't that
2: right? mm-hmm.
1: A new and living way, and that is through the veil of his body. So they are not all that we are fighting about as if it's some sort of um, impersonal object. A mechanical thing that somebody that, that, that some little dust or smoke came up with is ridiculous. Everything is a body. God is about a body. That's like The church, that's when the world found out that God was about a body. Every time God showed up, it was a body. He did not show up as just a wind. When he showed up as a wind and a rain and whatnot, stuff, he was hot. He's like, I don't want to be close to you, so I'm going to just send my stuff. Getting close to God. Just in case you didn't know what this was entitled. And how do you get close to God? Well, you have to, first of all, he that cometh to God must believe that he is, he's what, whatever he is, as it is. That he is not a machine. He's not a windstorm. All of these, um, these uh, what do you call them? When they try to talk about the, how the earth created itself, that's some of the dumbest information I've ever heard in my life. It is stupid. I'm sorry that it's dumb yes. because you're telling us what you see. Well, we could take a picture and explain what we see too. And all you're running on is a picture and an image. You have no idea where that invisible made that made itself visible. You can't tell us where that came from. You cannot tell us how the sonar of a bang ended up as a planet. You cannot tell me that. Now you're assuming because you want to beat me up for assuming the creation story. But what you're saying makes less sense. I throw down a ball on the floor. I don't get a planet. I don't even get a marble.
2: I get noise. Well, that idea doesn't
1: replicate itself anyway. It doesn't. And so, and then what's it did, is this tiny, tiny little amoeba. Are you kidding? And who told the amoeba to become something else? What code could you have found out in modern world? Everything runs on code.
2: Yeah.
1: Everything. So how do you code out or explain the code, which, you, which in the Bible and in and the ancient times we call a law? So how do you explain the code of a bang that turned out a planet? A thunderstorm, we get a snap, and you hit that thing loud enough, thunder's gonna pop up.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Fall. So, and how did, and then what triggered the bang? What made that bang intelligent enough to know when to go and rumble out a planet? So you can't tell us that, because science deals with the five senses. They by the time they start telling us something, they have to see it. What do they say, they gotta see it to believe it, and unless they see it, they won't believe it. Or we call it a hypothesis or whatever else we mm-hmm. call it. Yeah. Working theory. Working theory. Yeah. That keeps changing. See, I, I, I happen to like scientific people because I like studying stuff. But when I'm because I, I watch a lot of that and I look at that and I said, But you and that really passed the knowledge, huh? Wow. Talk about that to me, if that passed the knowledge, that tells me how dense. And how blind and how ignorant God made humanity. Woo! If that passes the knowledge, because none of us can replicate that, we can't go off to a a, a, a field and replicate it. I can't, my kids used to hit a ball against the wall. I didn't get a planet, I got a (laughs) dent. I got a crack. Boom! Girl, you hit that ball up. All right? Anytime you hit any wall, anything, you mean to tell me this little thing came up with all of the invisibles that we see and all of that? You still can't even tell us what a black hole is. I know what it is, but I'm not telling. I'm not. You can't tell us where they came from. But the Bible tells us. I ain't so we'll that. be writing the to
2: disciples after not the happening. people left. 30 years from today, you be oh, Lord, tell us. <laughs> I'm not telling.
0: You. I'm, not gonna. I'm not. You know what? I
2: have a feeling I don't want to now uh-uh. my you.
1: You don't. You don't. But I want you to understand, and you need to get it in your mind: God is a person. Creation is a person. It is a being with three expressly distinct personalities, and those personalities are not about their charisma. It's all about their function, their purpose. God is pervasive. He's everywhere, present at once. You can't pull God out of anything because everything is him. Remember, he's his whole body. Yeah. Jesus is pervasive until God projects him. And when he extends himself, when Jesus steps out and extends to God, he's God's portable self. Is how God shows up anywhere in his creation, or how God shows up in 20 years. You know, Jesus can show up at five, at five different Jesus, not virgins, but manifestations. Because he's everybody. So out of his being, he can be everybody.
2: Which is why he looks like so
1: many different people in the Bible. The, the gardener. Yeah. Now, you know, everybody know the gardener. Who doesn't know the gardener? <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, he shows, you know, you I'm the like today, we say, sir, you're the new guy, you can't, temp- you can't temporary <laughs> But, and then the Holy Spirit is their all-encompassing self, all-inclusive, and their co-feeling. So, when you look at it, they're the same God. And that's what we meant. And He made us the same way. Do you not have a spirit? Do you not have a soul? Do you not have a body? Did I not say that I would create you in our image? Let us make God in uh, make man in our images and according to our likeness. He said, "I told you that." I don't even understand why you are struggling with this. <laughs> he's my uh-huh. honey. And so I don't. See, I don't go to God and tell Him He's wrong. Uh-huh. I don't, care if the, I don't care how old I get. He's still like she just pointed out he's ancient of base. If God is wrong, who's going to prove it? Because right. he's too busy proving us, <laughs> us wrong. You can't even <laughs> prove God wrong. No. You know, I mean, okay. there are certain things that just make sense. It's obvious that we're spirit, soul, and body because people's bodies die and they put them on machines or they don't. Yep. And they live forever with the body dead, ain't doing nothing. Why? Because that soul is still alive. And that spirit is still keeping that soul going. And when God stops the soul huh. or the blood flow, then we're over. You know, we're not getting any blood to the brain. Yeah. You, you know, if you're not getting oxygen, if we find a way to keep your oxygen going, you're all right. But when we stop, when that blood stops going, we got a problem.
2: Sure. You know, count down.
0: down.
2: Okay, so this piece you did, mm-hmm. uh, and we might just start talking all over each other here. Okay, I'm not jumping of that. Yeah, uh, how Jesus is a seed that produces many seeds, and he's a replica of himself, mm-hmm. and that Jesus is an extension of God, that he formed for physicality, the image of the invisible God, which he says, because you said it. In, in Colossians, Colossians yeah. chapter one, yeah, um. But I really just had to go on pause (laughs) because, you know, your whole life, you were taught there are three different, not even people, Mm -hmm. just three different things. Personality. There's no, things. There's There's God is spirit. Oh, yeah. Jesus was flesh. And then here comes the Holy Spirit, a different spirit, not God.
0: Not the God spirit. Same on us.
2: Yeah. And so this is how it's taught. (laughs) These are three different things. They're working together. Yeah, they're collaborating. Well, yeah, they're a lot of mm-hmm. Um, but not the same. Mm-hmm. With different manifestations. Because last week, oh, you hinted at this, and when you said that, and you back to read somewhere in my notes when you talked about Jesus was showing up and that he was he manifested. As a man, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so you kept moving. Yeah. <laughs> right. I know he's going to come back to that one day. Yeah. Now, wait a minute. I mean, again, his godness, mm-hmm. you're talking about versus godliness, is mind blowing. Yeah. And you can tell that the devil had to work for hundreds of years to dumb this thing down oh, yeah. to the point where we would want to chase him instead of God. And we actually believe that what his version of the truth is actually true, mm-hmm. and what we have over here is not. I can see why he did it. Yeah. I mean, that's the only way you're going to beat him. Be God. <laughs> in quotes, in quotes, quote, yeah. quote, is to look like you got ahead, is to so strip and dumb down. I mean, when you hear this the way it it is, and mm-hmm. it's in the book. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. No, well, go I ahead. Think, I think a part of that, <laughs> just based on something else that you talked about um when you talked about the fact that they are they can think independent of each other, but when they think united there is power. Yes. That agreement makes them mighty and impenetrable. I think that part of why we've been taught incorrectly about how they function mm-hmm. is that kind of corrupt, ungodly agenda to make us think that without Jesus we can still get to God. Mm-hmm. You know, um you think about just sure. culturally how God is yeah. presented, you know, um, it, God, God is presented as the God of everyone and everything, mm-hmm. and that Jesus is a preference, but oh. that God is God, mm-hmm. you know, and this teaching kind of blows, you know. blows the lid off of that by by uniting Jesus with I God, and I, I just, I mean, I, I have to point out that, you know, your piece about the fact that he was not, um, born through reproductive uh, system and process the way that God made Adam was not the way that God made Jesus. And I really need you to speak on that difference difference, because, no, this is changing the world because we don't, we, we know that the, the scriptures are concrete about the fact that John 14:6, "I am the way, the, the truth, truth and the, the life. life," right that the, no man can come." We, the Bible speaks that, but now we've had a lot of years of watering down of that word. Mm-hmm. And this, this message that you're preaching today or teaching today is really pushing back against culture's agenda to tell us that we can have God without Jesus. And I just, I just need to, to just break that down a little bit more about how Jesus came to be. Mm-hmm. And, and just come on, just speak on that. Okay. Um, just speak oh. on it. <laughs> you know,
1: um, I said again, Jesus did not break from the Godhead to incarnate. So that's the first reason right. why they teach. Right. So the teach right. as if he somehow or another was a son that had to strike it out on his own, yes, find right. his own way, end up in earth. And there we go. But he did not. He did not break from the Godhead, which is why he kept saying, when I extended myself into a human sperm, I brought the spirit of my father with me, and my mother got pregnant by the third member.
2: Right.
1: Yeah. It said the Holy Ghost overshadowed her the same way the Holy Ghost hovered over the earth when he said, come on, somebody. See, the same Holy Spirit is the begetter because the Holy Spirit is the embodier. And so God comes to the planet, the Holy Spirit is the embodier, you know. And so Jesus, you know, God is all things, but God says, okay, the first thing I'm going to do is voice what I want to come into existence. So he voices it, and then the Holy Ghost said, now I'll manufacture it and I'll embody it. The church is embodied by the word of God that came from Jesus Christ because of the Holy Spirit. That's why God made a big Jesus made a big deal in John 3, trying to let him know. No, the Holy Spirit is how we, the Godhead, embodies everything, how we inseminate, how we distribute, how we, we uh, you know, uh, again, construct, fabricate everything. First, the word. And the word in the sonar, the words, he said the words, John 6, the words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. We think spirit means ghost,
2: True.
1: just ghostly, just immaterial, but that's not what he's saying. He's saying they are seminal because everything that comes into a creation is in seminal or seminal because of the spirit. Invisible things make visible things. The things that are made are made from what is nothing. Mm -hmm. So Paul understood this. So Jesus is coming. He's not coming to be your personal savior. Let me just kill that. He's not your personal savior. And all of those people who told you that all you had to do was believe him and accept him as your personal savior, and you'd be in. No, because you make him your personal savior, you live with him as your personal experience, which means you morph him into your personal preferences. Well, he came to bring the body of the Godhead to humanity. Because their humanity's body had been abducted in Adam's birth, So Satan literally abducted. That's why there are times that God said, he's your father. Other times he says, he's adopting you. Hmm. And you say to God, which is it? And are you my natural father? Or are you my adopted? What is it? He's adopting your soul. Because when you're born again, you get a new spirit.
2: Are
1: y'all this? are you? I mean, so your soul has to be adopted from Adam's lineage. Uh huh. So that's why we say adoption, but your salvation, your new, your genetic genealogy, comes from God through
2: Jesus Christ in a new spirit. I need to Technology of the new birth. Mm-hmm. Right here.
1: Because you think that because it says adoption in one place and it says born anew or new creature in another state, you don't know what it is. Your soul is not the new creature. Your spirit is. Your soul is the adopted child from a family who you've been running around in foster care. Now God's saying that. What did Jesus say? He said, "I will not leave you orphaned." Orphans are adopted. Your soul is orphaned. Why? Because it's Jesus' soul that went to hell and spent three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. His soul. Here's what happened. Jesus is in hell. His soul is in hell. On the cross, he said, See, this is how you're going to get saved. You're going to get saved by understanding what redemption is and not the sinner's place. So let me tell you how this works, because it's important. Is this is good stuff. Is this is good stuff.
2: Yes, we can speak.
1: Go ahead. Okay. So okay. Jesus is in hell. On the cross, he said, Father, into thy hands I commit my spirit. Well, why? We talked about this a little bit last week, so we're getting to the next level, okay? So why? Because Jesus' spirit never sinned. Satan was not in his spirit. That's why the Holy Ghost had to be his father. Because if any human was, and a lot of my, a lot of my teachers and colleagues out here have taught this for years, but if the Holy Ghost were not his father, then he couldn't be a sacrificial lamb. He wouldn't be a satisfactory human sacrifice. Slaughtering all of the people you want and shedding all of the mortal blood you want is not how it goes. We talked last week about how children get their blood from their fathers. And what do they get? They don't just get that corporeal stuff. They get their spirits from their fathers. Because the Bible talks all the time about the spirit of your father. So they get their spirits from their fathers. All of this free pass around sex. And half of you all, y'all upset with God because you laid down. Did you know one night saying you got this crazy son, this, this unhealthy kid? Because they got their spirit. So you, you don't know the lie. See, God doesn't track the, the uh, human genealogy for, for the same reasons that he tracks the spirit, which just means the spirit made that human. God always has to know that. So Jesus has to be, literally, he cannot have or come from male sperm because all of the sins that God's got to put on him, he'd be born with. All right. So Jesus, on the cross, he says, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And so he, God literally, because he, 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 he gave up the ghost. Yeah. So the ghost was a spirit. His soul, when the body without the spirit is dead. So the minute his soul went back to God, he's dead. So he gave up the ghost. He goes, his soul, which is now written with sin, because the soul is where God put all the sin of the world, not in the spirit, on his soul. So his soul is now impacted with every sin that ever could be created or imagined. By a human. So he's morphing. He's not, you know, we show him up there just bloody. No, no, he's turning ugly. He's literally, he's morphing. He's mutating through all of it. Every infection, every disease every malfunction, every deformity. So he's not on that cross looking like we got him. He's on that cross, Ooh. and I'll tell you, every sin and God is changing him. That sin is doing to him, one man, what it would do and what it has been doing to all humanity for ages. He is turning, he is, his body is more everything. He is, and this is after being beat all night long and having this crown of thorns. So what they took down is not what they put up. Hey, hey. Oh my God, I got
2: to walk around. Whoa
1: walk, baby. I'll let you
2: walk.
1: So now, so that body is literally depicting the deformity and the devastation of his soul. Isaiah said it. He said that he became a horror. He said he became a horror. He was like a monster.
2: me. Okay. Okay. So now he's in hell.
1: His body is in the tomb because God needed that body to prove to everybody that the new birth is a 100% reality, a real thing. So that body is wrapped up in that that napkin, but that soul is as deformed as anything can be, and he's in hell. And he's in hell to show all of the people who died in faith that the wages of sin is death. I don't care who you are. He's like, I'm the son of God. He put sin on me, and the wage of that sin is death. Wow. So you don't get away. And so he's in hell, and he's doing his time. You know, obviously, he's, the Bible said he preached the gospel. So he's preaching the gospel as this mortal, doomed soul. So he preached to the souls from the first covenant, which is Noah and company, all the way down to Abraham's bosom. He's preaching. He's preaching, and the faith that they died with as he's preaching is disseminating them with that very faith so that when he is born again, they can be true. He's in heaven. Wow, what a plan. What a plan. We've been playing with this thing. So he's in hell, and he's walking around this mangled mess. And he's preaching. But then the Bible said on the third day that the spirit of God came from heaven. And do you know what it brought? What did it bring? It brought the spirit he committed to God, to hell. And then he brought the soul that he left in heaven that was not made from. With him. he's the firstborn
0: from I'm the dead. dead. Just can't, just can't today. I just can't
1: His soul, and it says death couldn't hold him because his soul was too pure. He had paid the sacrifice. He left that mangled crucified soul in hell. Because he was still, he's still the third, second person of the Godhead. So he came and he took on the soul of Adam. Y'all don't get this. You don't get it. He took on the soul of Adam, but he left the soul of the Christ and the Messiah for when he was ready to be born again in hell. God said, you paid the price. You didn't, you didn't curse. You didn't revile that. He said, it's time to come home. He could never have gotten back to heaven with that same soul. So, God gives him the soul of, we're nothing now. He's got the spirit, he's got the soul, but he has the soul of the man, that's why he's the last Adam, of the man he made and not the one Satan's soul. Wow. They left me, guys. <laughs> Do you all have anything to say? Because they're not going there. So when you think about your salvation and you think that you can keep all that sin in your soul and still make it in, you are sorely mistaken because your soul literally mutates and deforms with every act of sin. Mm. Mm. And the only way to reform your soul is to conform to Jesus Christ because no other model went to hell and paid the price. All of those souls that were in hell, it still didn't help them. They went to hell believing in Christ, but they believed in Christ as a defective product.
2: Oh,
1: wow. I mean, yes, mm-hmm. but now, yes. Huh. How are my folks
2: going normal? <laughs> <laughs>
1: See, this is the apostles' doctrine on the gospel of Jesus Christ. You have to answer all of the component parts. You don't just answer the big picture. This is not a painting. This is not a drawing. This is a literal drama, and you must address all of the component parts, which is what the early church did, which is what the early apostles did. And that's the difference between an apostle and an evangelist. Wow and an apostle, and the rest of the fivefold. That is why we dispense the doctrine. We don't inherit theirs. They're not going to have a piece of doctrine that didn't begin with an apostle or a prophet, and in the New Testament with an apostle. It's not going to happen. But you have to spend time with God for him to to bring you into his archives and to bring you into his back room and bring you into his secrets because he's had too many of his secrets distorted Mm. or people who gave it and said, I'm not going to preach that anymore because folks don't like it. But I'm I'm too old now, and I don't really care whether you like it or not. My ticket's punched. I'm in. And I'm not coming out. I'm in, and I can say I'm in. I'm a good Christian because of what I just was able to tell you. Why? Because I could sit and listen. Because I went and I was taught. I let him teach me. I'm trying to teach the body of Christ today. You all are running around with the words of people who weren't even in the book. My God. There's no, you. you Philip preached the gospel, the end. And he went around. But it took Peter and the apostles to tell him that Simon the sorcerer really didn't get saved. Ooh, that's
2: true.
1: So when I say so and so is doing this and what in church, and I say that's not God, that's Simon taking it. It's taking apostle to tell you because it's that mantle and that physiological construction that when it's nurtured and when it's developed properly, and when it can make the connection. See, we make the connection. The apostles did not bring a new gospel. They made the connections between what God had been saying and doing from the beginning all the way to the end. Jesus said, my word is not new. Y'all been reading this every week. I'm giving you the same thing. Hmm. The gospel was making the connections. You need to listen to how we discussed the witnesses and the gospels last night on Wednesday Warriors with Chief Prophet Tyler. And I went through that whole list, and she said, go on pages 162 to 164 to understand what gospel really means." But you have to get the book called Before the Garden to do that. But we did read it. Mm-hmm. So imagine Jesus is, I mean, he's, he's, he's as, as debilitated as he can be. And the Holy Ghost said, here's the rest of you. I brought it. Come back home. Oh, my, 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 my. Come back home. Thirty-three and a half years. He can't go home without his new creation spirit and his quickened soul. Not the soul only that took the stripes. No, the soul that the soul that he had before he became the last Adam. All of the hits, all of the memory of that. Everything, all of what's acceptable to God, he brought out. All this was not acceptable, he left mm. So there are times that you can say, I remember being this or being that. But when God takes it away by the blood, takes it away, okay, I'm
0: gonna go one more time. Mm.
1: Can I go one more time? Oh, yes. Okay. One more you know, we 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 have to make the connection. He that, that the blood, that blood is what Jesus took back to heaven, and in the blood was all of the members and all of the because the blood is in the soul. So as God as God sends the blood. Of the, well, it's the truth. Blood comes from the soul. Remember? You remember your? You don't remember your class? AIT.
0: Hmm.
1: When God Adam existed, the male and female that God created on the sixth day existed in God. Did they not? Yes. And they existed as spirit beings. Mm-hmm. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Didn't have any blood; they needed. They were alive. They fellowshiped with the Holy Spirit. They fellowshiped with God on the Sabbath day. Then, after that Sabbath day rest, God rested, and then He got back to work. Now, I hear people argue with me all the time. Well, I just don't think it was the eighth day. But if the Sabbath day is when you stop. When you start again, He's not starting at day one, because all of these days are marked by creation and His creative act. So, a day, he gets to work, and he makes man's body, because he's not finished making man and female in their image and according to their oh. done. He goes and starts to make this body, and this body is dead, because the body without the spirit is dead, yeah. and there's the spirit in God, not in the world. With the soul? with the spirit? He makes this body. And it's pretty. It's nice. It has no flaws. But it also has no life. No animation. So when he makes this body, what Jesus himself is carrying around as an earthly replica of himself, because you don't realize it was Jesus, but as an earthly replica of himself, he now has this man and this woman in his body in the form of breath and blood. Flesh is made. Nice. Flesh is laying down. You see that? This thing is cute. It's going to do a lot of things. And so when he breathes into Adam the breath of life, he is not giving him recitation because he's never been recited.
2: <laughs> I don't know if that's word enough. I'm
1: going to figure it out. <laughs> he breathed into Adam the breath of life, and man becomes the living soul. Why is he a living soul? Because his spirit existed and was the soul was used to it. So the minute he breathed into Adam, blood comes because he didn't have So the blood comes and the breath comes. Because he didn't have air. Even though he's a corpse, he's not breathing. We got air, all this gorgeous air around here and the flowers and everything in that corpse. see, that's the crux of redemption. That's the crux of the salvation story. That's the redemption. So he breathed in him. And when, when God breathed into him, and it says he created all things by Jesus Christ. And by man came death, so by man will all be made alive. And if that's the same thing, then it was man, the man Christ Jesus, that breathed into Adam's nostrils and gave him the breath of divine life and divine blood. But you won't get that if you keep listening to all of the people who have not put in the time and the effort to study. And to pull this thing together for you, because God purposely scattered it to let us know how fractured everything about him became when Adam sold him out. Wow. And he fractured it because he needed it to be encoded by the Holy Ghost. It's the Holy Spirit who's supposed to draw the parallels and the connections for you. So you can talk about you saved because Jesus is your personal savior all day long. He needs to be your genealogical savior because you must come from divine lineage. Oh. oh yeah. So you have a personal savior, which is a figment of your imagination. Oh my God. Because when you have a genealogical savior, you change. And all of these arguments we're having about whether we can do this or do that, God. Now, he comes as a seed, and some of you all, you just never let him grow up because Jesus, the seed of Christ that's in you, that incorruptible seed, grows by the word. That's why Peter said, desire the sincere milk of the word. Sometimes you all want to eat meat. You go to these high ventures, these conventions and these, these conferences, and you get all that meat stuff, come back all confused. You should have took a bottle. To, to, to milk wash down, cause you were eating above your digestive tract.
2: So oh
1: above your digestive system. That's why you go to church and you you, you leave. Because you need a church that's going to give you a basic Bible study as well. We have something called Back to the Basics. With my church, they get together in various groups, and they learn the basics of Christianity. I may teach high, but they make sure that it's broken down. We have a Sunday school class that breaks down all that I say in terms of milk. So that she takes all that great meat that I have. It's great. It's wonderful. She needs that for me to serve. She serves the milk the sire, the sincere milk of the world, that you may grow thereby. You, don't, you haven't grown in Christ because you have been eating stuff that is way over you. You're gagging.
2: Uh-huh.
1: Come on, you're gagging. Like even this, this is wonderful, but I expect pastors and all of the, those that are in, in ministry to begin to break this right. down for their people. You break it mm-hmm. down. You know, mama chewed that meat up, and she just chews it and chews it until it's of the consistency that the baby can eat and not gag. It's like some of you all are like kids, the parents put them on table food all early. Mm. The kid is obese, full of allergies, sick, can't keep out of the doctor's office. Why? Because that day you did not allow that kid to develop the enzymes and all of the other resources and utilities that their body needed to process that food that's not doing you any good. Mm. My daughter ate, but well, she was on Guru for so long, and it was ridiculous. And, and unfortunately, uh, Gerber started growing up. We got the toddler, and yep. we had the bigger than the toddler, and that's what she ate. I was like, no, no. Before you had just mush, mm-hmm. but then by the time I had the vast kid, and, and uh, uh, you are not eating this. No, now her sisters probably, you know, slipped with things, but that's not the same as you sitting down making those three hot. That stuff that they can't do anything with. Well, that's how pre- preachers are. Sometimes preachers want to show off their knowledge and they want to show that they got a revelation. Or sometimes you take a revelation too soon. There are revelations I had to start with milk. All that you hear, I started milk. God was giving me the milk of the world. I got a little here and a little there and a little everywhere. That's why some of this stuff is 20, 30 years old. Why? Because when he first gave it to me, man, I got indigestion, college. It wasn't good. It just was, Jesus, please. I I don't even, where is it? And then there was also the reformatting of my brain to take it and process it according to his spirit and not according to the spirit of this world. Mm. Mm -hmm. We had a lot going on. Did you want to talk about something? Come on, come on. with something.
0: Uh, okay. I well, I Remember. well, I just wanted to say before I point out anything else that you, you said something um, maybe 15 minutes ago or so about how the soul of Christ had to be born again and help as too. well, There's and and that there was no way he could get back to his place without being born again, and it just made me you know obviously connect the dots and recognize. That's why we also must be born again. You know, Mm -hmm. when Jesus was sitting there talking to Nicodemus, you know, how on earth are we going to think that we're getting there by good behavior or we're getting there because of the mercy of God when Jesus himself had to be born again in hell to get back to his place? So I just wanted to comment on that because this is just the message of today, that the way that culture is beating down Christianity um, and diluting this message is just, it, it blows my mind. And, and, and so many so many people who are coming to Christ today mm-hmm. are believing wrong about yes. what is changing them and what is redeeming them. So this uh, But think about it. You just said something.
1: You're being changed, but you're being changed into the model of the fall. And right. you don't know it. See, religious spirits are about good deeds. They are about changing you into their good deeds. They're about changing your mind into their way. But they're still fallen angels. Satan's soul corrupted him, and as a result, he fell as lightning from heaven. Because sin corrupts, but it also weighs you down. When he say? Cast aside every burden. Cast aside every weight. Why do you think he says that? Because the, the, the reason that they are, that God's world is above gravity, is because they have no sin. Gravity is to keep the sinner on the ground. And to make sure that the the, the the dead drops to the heart of the earth. Ooh. See, in God's realm, they don't need gravity. Gravity is an instrument for God. Angels fly, pop in, pop out, because they don't have death in their being. There's wow. no death, because death means you drop. When people die, we say they drop dead. But we don't say they stand dead, do they? Mm-hmm. And if they stand dead, we want them to drop because we're scared. <laughs> Who want to drop? I'm going to drop you. You're gonna die. you going to die. Your heart not going to beat you. are going to die. you going to drop. You know? So Peter, when he talked with Ananias and Sapphira, when he said, they dropped dead. Yes. Why? That sin that they committed was so weighty, their heart organs, their bodily organs could not withstand the soul's judgment on that sin. That's why he, Peter said, you know, Paul says it, rather, we must believe to the saving of the soul. Peter, receiving the end of your faith, which is the salvation of your soul. do you. I'm, I'm just, yeah. Mm. Mm-hmm. I'm
0: going to need a nap. I'm going to need a nap. <laughs> I almost walked on the setup for the time. That's like a saying I I need to think about it.
1: But I do want to ask you to do me a favor, if you found this word to be helpful and useful, if you found the wisdom that I impart to you to be as transformative as God intends it to be that I need you to sow the seed to me. It's you who helped me get to the nations. I can't go without you. I can't get on television without you. It is you who get me there to get this teaching on. I have literally thousands and thousands of pages of teachings that can help us get where we need to go, and nobody wants to impoverish me or shut me out but the devil because that's the kingdom. The kingdom of heaven suffers violence, and the violence are taking it by force. I preach the righteousness of God because the kingdom of heaven belongs to Christ. So I preach the righteousness, and I have to face off with the violence that they want to take it by force. I come after them with the sword of the Lord. And we cut away that darkness. So I want you to show me a seed today. And to, and to become a faithful partner. Yeah. Dr. Price, I'm going to be your partner. I'm going to see to it, not only that you get to the nations, but that you stay there. I'm going to sow and make it my business to sow a seed and to sow as healthy a seed as you ask. Because I can speak. You can see. I can take the message. I can speak the message. But it's up to you to finance the message.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And if you finance it, I'm gonna preach it. I'm like Paul. Pray. The uh, great uh, you know, sexual door has been opened to me, and many adversaries. I have been doing this a long, long time. And as you can see, I was not idling. God, I didn't reach a point where I said, "Okay, Jesus, you're too deep,
2: mm-hmm.
1: so I'm gonna to have to stop here." I don't have a stop button for Christ, and He hasn't had one with me. He always, "You want to go on? Yeah, I'm going on." You ready? Okay. Want to go next? I'm going to the next level. What's the next level, God? I want it. I want it all because I hate what's been done. To our Savior, I hate that He's worked two thousand plus years, and we're sitting here talking about yoga. We're sitting here talking about uh, uh, immorality, homosexuality. We're talking about what? And this man worked two thousand years. It's not a problem for God to get rid of devil, but it is a problem for Him to get it out your heart. And the only way He can do it is by scrubbing and cutting and cauterizing and nurturing. Etc. You got the talk. I need you to show for me today, so they're going to tell you what to show to and how to
0: get there. Absolutely. You can show me a cash app, and excuse me, her handle on cash app is Dr. Paula Price. You know that you just put the dollar sign, Dr. Paula Price, or you can look up Dr. Paul Price on your cash app and it will pull up. You can also show to her via PayPal. You can use that paypal.me slash Dr. Paul Price. and you can also show there or if you're a PayPal user you can just send PayPal to PayPal um, and you can show that way. You can do text to give 918-608-1378. 918 608 one more time nine one eight six zero eight one three seven eight we're going to use text to give you need to text the amount and then the text to give number will will uh, shoot back instructions to you to let you know how to complete your gift so again cash app for handle there is dr paul price paypal as well paypal.me slash dr paul price you can sow a seed right there so simple so easy or text to give 918-608 1378. Now is the time to go ahead and sow that seed. Y'all, we've got to pour back into this woman of God and pour back into this ministry so we can continue to bring messages just like what you heard today to you. And um, Prophet Ashley is going to talk about Saturday. Saturday, Saturday, Saturday.
2: Dr. Price is doing a, well, it's a live in Tulsa and webinar if you want to register online. Three-hour seminar on spiritual intervention.
1: And what I just described was the massive spiritual intervention, but there are now what you do with your intervening power in Christ.
2: And so you can um, enroll, register, you know, all the words are coming together. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sign up uh, on Dr. Price's website, mm-hmm. Dr. com, and on Facebook, her Facebook mm-hmm. page, Apostle Paula Price, mm-hmm. under her events. Mm-hmm. You can um, – there are two links on there, one if you are in Tulsa and coming or – just on the ground anywhere showing up here, then you can go to the Eventbrite link, and then in the description is the link to pay for your webinar
0: if you can't be here in the flesh, but you still want to be there. And you can look it up directly on Eventbrite, too. If you put eventbrite.com schedule to event 10, you'll find it as well. I really want
1: you to press, because this hard reset requires an extensive orientation to adapt you to what God is going to do. Part reset is for God's future.
2: Yes. And you know you
1: do not want to be idle or overlooked in this future. Some of you all, my teachings have brought you back from the grave, spiritually speaking, have given you life, instruction, and counsel. So you better do it. Make sure you bring notebooks because you're going to do it. If you're a leader, bring all your people with you. Come on. You don't have to do the work. Let me do the heavy listening. And it's not just going to be lecturing. So you want to make sure that you enroll and join us. It starts at 3 o'clock on Saturday. It's three hours, so it starts at three and ends at six. You will love it. I promise you, you've heard me today. You will love it. It's worth your investment. It's worth a sacrifice. It's worth every effort. Again, Saturday, 3 o'clock. This Saturday, Mm -hmm. September 29th. Join me. Until Sunday, It's Organic. Modified. You now know what that looks like and what it means. Ooh. Hallelujah. Jesus. Join me at the Congregation of the Mighty. We start at 10 a.m.
0: locally. I started uh, at 8 a.m. Mm-hmm.
1: So we have a great time planned for you. Have a great time. Listen to this again and again and again. And Do me a favor. Break my barriers because you've know, not been getting these barriers. Break my numbers barriers. Share, 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 share. Share, 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 share. You break me beyond. I'm here because you've been faithful to me as well as me being faithful to you. I love us. I love what we are together. Share it. God bless you.
0: See you tomorrow.
1: No, Saturday. Saturday. Tomorrow I'm going to do something else. I'll see you Saturday. <laughs> God bless. Have a great day.